Anyways, um, do we have any text messages for you? We have this one right here, which is from uh, David in Western Australia. So somebody who gets up early to listen to The Breakfast Show because mm. it does uh, obviously go live in Western Australia as well and hits there a little bit earlier than what it does here. And uh, I think I mentioned that my wife was from the other side of the world. Byron's wife is from the other side of the world. He's like, wow, lol, my wife is from Hull in Yorkshire, England. Oh, my sister lived in Hull for a little bit. There you go. Yeah. Is it a nice place? Um, is it cold and wet and rainy? Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the whole Actually, of England is cold my, and wet and rainy. My, my sister was in that area but also knows someone from there who, who came to Australia a couple of years ago and um, did some church work over here. Um, and they were saying like, oh, yeah, we've got the sea, but it's like... Freezing. Freezing and flat. <laughs> like, like just classic England, like fish and chips, cold sea, like oh, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah, You Hold. don't even get to go surfing there because... It's the channel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's like the coast. You yep. couldn't even call it a beach. I will say this: uh, I'm not sure whether I've been to Hull or not, but I've I've spent a bit of time uh, around York. York is amazing, yeah. uh, and you know that whole region. It is beautiful. Mm. It is green. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coastline is amazing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to rescue us from all of our British listeners right now. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, they're about to like tune out of faith Uh and. Uh, one of the advantages of having regular rainfall mm. is that things are green. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Just awesome. I've, I've never... Okay, the only time I've ever been to England is yes. when I had to grab a connection flight there to go to Ethiopia. <laughs> to Ethiopia from Australia via via, via, via Heathrow Airport in London. <laughs> that is so hilarious. Now, England's a great place. And, uh, yeah, so my wife is from Wisconsin in the United States and Byron's wife is from the Philippines. Oh, so we're just, we're just, you know, all around the world. And Lawson's wife is uh, from nowhere because he's just sad. <laughs> <laughs> what a rose. Oh, so we're just, we're just, you know, all around the world. And Lawson's wife. Man. <laughs> oh, he just zinged me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we should get on with our Bible study here this morning. Let's go to First uh, Kings chapter 19. Uh, we're going to read verses 5 to 8. We've talked about this already uh, somewhat. We're going to talk about it some more. And we're going to dig in more into the story of, well, there's a couple of things going on here at once. Mm-hmm. First of all, Elijah falls into terrible depression. Yes, that's right. And secondly, he fails God. Mm. Okay, so now let's read us those verses. First uh, Kings chapter 19, verse 5 to 8. The Bible says, then he lay down under and sorry, then he lay down and slept under a broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. For all the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food, uh, yeah, and the food gave him enough strength to travel forty days and forty nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There, he, uh, he came to a cave where he spent the night. Okay, so this is an interesting story because you've got Elijah. You know, he's he he now goes on a very long journey. Mm. So he's, let's, let's trace it through so far. He, he, 
he he suffers from fear, he suffers from depression, he suffers from anxiety, and he runs for his life. Mm. He runs until he's exhausted, he runs until he can't run any longer, and he lies down under the juniper tree or the broom tree, whichever you want to call it, and he says, Lord, take my life. Mm. Let me die here. I'm happy to just happy to just die right here. Mm. And instead of God coming and taking his life or God letting him die, uh, God gives him food and yeah, water that's right. and lets him sleep some more and gives him more food and more water and provides food for him to go on a journey. Mm. And this time he continues his journey. He's still, he's still moving away from Jezebel, but he is going on a journey because, the, because God has actually now directed him on this journey. Mm. So he's not running from God, he's now running to God. Mm. And there's a difference. Now, you can imagine on that journey, it was a long journey, he was gone for over a month, Mm. and during that time he would have had a lot of time for reflection, and there would have been lots of times, I'm sure, when he reflected on just how epically he had failed. And at the same time, God's like, no, I'm giving you a fresh start. You know, he he comes to the wilderness, he's there, he's in the cave. Uh, Let's go down a little bit here. Um, let's well, let, yeah. Let's let, read on down through to verse twelve. Uh, read on down through to verse twelve uh, from verse ten. The Bible says, um, "But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah?'" Elijah replied, "I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too." Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a, it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not uh, in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Wow. Mm. You know, we can think that we can run away from everything, but we can never run away from God. Mm. He's always looking for us. He's always seeking us out. And he comes to Elijah and he's like, hey, Elijah, why are you here? Yeah, that's right. What are you doing here? Mm. What are you trying to accomplish? And, of course, you know, he's there because God has led him to this particular point because mm. God wants to speak to him. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we reach those points in our life where we need some alone time mm. with God. And God calls us to have some alone time with him. And that's exactly what we've got happening here in this particular story is that God has taken him out there to you know, to demonstrate a few different things because you think about Elijah, he's seen the power of God in the fire that comes from heaven. Mm. He's seen the power of God in the wind and the rain and the storm that came after Mount Carmel. Mm. He's seen the power of God in all of these things. And uh, then God comes along and God brings, okay, here comes a storm. Wow, there's a storm. Here comes an earthquake. There's an earthquake. Here comes fire. Here's some fire. God's like, I've done this, you know, I've done it before. I'll do it again. There's nothing big here. Mm. But that's not where I am. Yeah. And that's not how I speak to you. I speak to you in a still, small voice. And the key here for us as Christians is to listen to, to understand, and to appreciate that still small voice. Mm. 
and to be blessed by it. It is a uh, it, it, it is the voice of our conscience. It comes to all of us, and we hear it more clearly the more we practice listening to it. That's right. So you've got to think about your conscience as being a little bit like, well, that still small voice, you know, often we don't even think about hearing it. We will just find ourselves in a situation where whatever the situation might be and the voice says don't. We need to prick up our ears whenever we hear that. Mm. And the more we actually practice following that still small voice, the louder it will become. The less we do. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. The less we do, the less we will hear it. It's simply like that. I think it's also when the voice says, you know, as you said, the voice says don't, but also when the voice says do. Absolutely. And we won't hear when the voice says do unless we... Listen when the voice says don't. That's right. Because this is the thing about God. Like, I feel like so many people's view and perspective is that we follow a God that is limiting us, is restricting us, and is just calling us to live holy and piously. And and that that's the extent of our relationship with him. But at the same time, God wants to lead, to guide us, just like Elijah to go and to do things, to be used by him, to be missionaries in our field, whatever it may be. Like, um, you know, from the the plumber who attends church and, you know, leads out a Sabbath school to the missionary who gets sent to, you know, remote parts of the, the Philippines or, you know, Afghanistan or whatever it may be. Like, God is calling us then to have a relationship where he can actually tell us what to do in terms of carrying out his mission and his work on earth. You know, I was giving a Bible study to someone yesterday about the signs of the second coming. And one of the last signs that Matthew 24 gives in, in, in its first section is um, that the gospel will be spread, you know, all around the world. Um, and then the end will come. And it's like, how can that be possible without people listening to the voice of God and responding to it and becoming teachers of the gospel? Like, we need that. We, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Indeed we do, and we, yes, and, you know, this is really what the story of all Elijah is all about. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, he is one that has definitely been called, mm-hmm. um, you know, as God is talking to him and, and uh, yeah, responding to the downfalls of Elijah. He also, you know, as we'll go on to read, he calls him back to the city because he has a work to do there. Yes. Mm. And, and it's one of those things where people... Are like, well, I've never received a calling from God. I don't, you, don't know if you've met people like this, but people talk to me, I've never received a, yeah, a yeah. calling from God. I've never heard the voice of God. Mm. And my reply is, you most certainly have heard the voice of God. That's why we're having this conversation. We wouldn't be having this conversation if you'd never heard the voice of God. Mm. We just need to become aware of the voice of God. Yeah, that's right. Because God speaks to us all the time. And this is where I see, you know, a lot of the don'ts that God says are so important because they are the voice that if if we cannot discern the voice of God when he says don't, we cannot dis- discern the voice of God when he says do. Mm. And because we shut ourselves off from the voice of God when he says don't, we shut ourselves off from the voice of God when he says do. Mm. So let's think about that for a moment. Let's uh, try and come up with an example. Let me give you an example. Um, On Facebook, I have Facebook and I have a lot of people who, you know, because, you know, a little bit of a public figure and so forth, Faith FM, whatever, the end.digital, 
A um, lot of people who want to become my friend don't do a lot on Facebook, but every now and then I might post something up. And so, you know, I might go on Facebook and there might be 10 friends, friend requests there. And I'm a little bit picky. Mm. Not hugely picky, but I'm a little bit picky. I'm, I, I like to be friends with people who are real friends. Mm. That's what I like to do on Facebook. And so you'll go down the list. And I don't know whether you get this, Lawson, or not, but I certainly get it. You will get, you know, you might find this person here and it's got, you've got 60 mutual friends in common. It's like, okay, that's most likely a real person. Mm. That's not a bot. Oh, I get so I get like three bots a day. And the then moment. you'll get the bikini babes. Yeah. Right? And you know that if you accept that person as a friend, then that is going to open the door to, you know, salacious images of scantily clad women. Yeah. And when you see that link there, well, there's instantly a temptation to click the link because you and I are red-blooded males. Mm. But there's something that says don't. Yeah, that's right. And that's the voice of God. Mm. Now, if we ignore that, we you know, you just hit delete and move on, delete, 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 move on, done, problem solved, they've all gone. Mm. Um, so I guess all guys get this. I, I really have no idea, but yeah, oh, you know, that's my assumption. Dude, it's so bad. Like, I get so many in a day, like probably three a day. I'm yeah, so I'm thinking about it. three a day. Yeah. Three a day would probably, sometimes I get none, but it's not unusual to get three a day. Yeah, that's right. And... Uh, um, and then, of course, you've got some that are not bots. They're actual people looking for a relationship, whatever. And, you know, and I know I could accept that friend request and have some salacious conversations on the side. Yeah. And God says no. Mm. He says don't. There's a voice that says don't. Yeah, that's And right. that's why I click delete mm. because something says don't. That's the voice of God. Now, if we listen to the voice of God when God says don't, on the simple things, on the easy things, and, and, you know, I've given the example right there, but all of you are going to have, you know, a similar example in your life of something where God says don't and probably says so on a regular basis. Mm. If you listen when he says don't, you will be able to hear when he says do. Mm. And that's really important because so often we find major decisions in our life where God says do, but we can't hear the voice of God because we haven't practiced listening when he says don't. Mm. I mean, one of the other things with, um, you know, sometimes people come to me like, oh, I've been praying about whether I should do this or do this and I don't know which I should do because uh, I've been praying for direction and God hasn't been saying anything and I look, well, if you do this, that's a good thing. If you do that, that's a good thing. These are both good things. Yeah. God doesn't need to say anything here. God just wants God just wants to watch you exercise your God-given power of making decisions and being creative and having fun in your life. That's right. Like all things work together for good, uh, as the Bible says, and it's like we can do a, a whole host of a number of things where God can bless us and he can use us as a witness and if the situation is truly dire and awful, like God can lead us out of that. Uh, so, you know, we just need to, to trust that God, this is the thing. We just need to trust that God has our best interest at heart and that yes. he actually wants to help us in our, in our lives and he wants to lead us. Um, which I think is, yeah, the misstep of many Christians when they take a perspective of God of, oh no, he just wants to control me and, and that's it. Like in terms of my, you know, that's right. good or bad actions. No, God wants, God has a very, you know, specific things he is calling you to do. And that's why God directs Elijah into the wilderness. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And that's why he can hear the voice of God and he can hear the voice of God in the wilderness. It's a still small voice. Mm. 
but it's because he's actually practiced listening to the voice of God. Yeah, wow. So uh, Raphael's text is through to say, Elijah did not eat during the 40 days journey to Horeb, survived with the meal given him by the angel before his journey. And so, yeah, absolutely, he was supernaturally sustained, mm. and God can do that. Uh, then we have um, Bruce here who says, Elijah was focusing on the sin of the world, and just like Isaiah, Isaiah seen the throne of God and realized he was a big sinner Ooh. as well as the people. Elijah realizes and proclaims, I am no better than my father's. Also with the point about don'ts and do's, don't is to humble and submit. Do is to exalt God. Mm. Yeah, and both of those are really, really important right there. The don'ts, humble and submit, that's part of being a Christian. Do, exalt God. Yeah. That's part of being a Christian as well. Mm. Some really good text messages and some really good thoughts coming through here. Um, and I like I, I like Bruce's point here where he says Elijah has a similar experience to Isaiah. Yeah. Because, you know, he has that similar experience in the wilderness. Yeah. Where he sees the fire, he sees the wind, he sees the earthquake, and he recognizes the power of God. Mm. And then he hears that still small voice, but like Isaiah, and, well, and then Elijah as well. God has a work for them to do, and God is not finished with them, and God is going to do amazing things with them, and themselves recognizing their sinfulness is mm. an important part of that. And for Elijah, it would have been very easy for him to become proud after what happened on Mount Carmel. He'd be like, yeah, I'm the greatest evangelist who ever lives. Mm. Uh, I've, I've converted the entire nation. I've made it rain. I've brought fire down from heaven, all of these things. But this is not what it was about. And, and this is where God comes to Elijah and God's like, I'm the one with all the power. Mm. But what it's really all about is the still small voice. Yeah. That's right. You know, people, people pray and they're like, oh, I want direction in my life. And why doesn't God just write it in letters of fire over the sky and I'll know what to do? Mm. God speaks in a still small voice. Yeah, that's right. Practice listening to the voice of God. Okay, some good messages there. We do love hearing from our listeners. If you want to send a message through, the number is 0491-064-669. Okay, where did we get up to in our reading? Let's uh, continue down to verse... Well, let's read a couple more verses. We'll continue to verse 16. Yes, so we're picking up in verse 14. Well, but just before verse 14, the Bible says, And the voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? In verse 14 comes along. He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant and torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. Wow. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Or joining, or join the Bragging Rights community. Yeah, that's right. Okay, text just coming here through from Sky. Uh, the boys are talking about hearing the voice of God. I am in a Christian organization, yet I am, I'm being persecuted for my values. I've been praying daily about my role and recently about my bosses, and that's a good thing to be doing. Mm. It does disturb me when Christians cannot value liberty and freedom. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is challenging. But the reality is in a Christian organization, we do have the right to uh, choose what theology the organization is going to stand for. Mm -hmm. And so 
that can be that can be challenging. And the problem is that if we take away that right from Christian organisations, then we basically allow the government to define Christian theology. That's right. Mm. So we can't take that away from Christian organisations. I feel for you. You're doing the right thing. Um, this is something you yeah definitely be uh, pray about it daily and uh, pray about your bosses. Mm. And study the Bible as well. You know? Yeah, that's right. Who knows? The bosses might be right. I have no idea who this person is. I've never mm. met them. I don't know the circumstances. But as you study your Bible, you might find something you didn't know before. Mm. Anyway, uh, Freco says, God always answers my prayers. It's mostly no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, that's like, I think this is something that as Christians we often experience, isn't it? Because mm. we pray amiss, the Bible says. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the more we become like Jesus Christ, the more our prayers will be answered because the more our prayers will be like the mind of Christ and we'll be praying the things that Jesus uh, would pray for. The problem is that we are so far from Christ. That's right. Mm. And this is, how, this is how he educates us to become more and more like him. Mm. This is how we educate our children. You know, this is why children get to learn the word no before they get to learn the word yes. That's right. Mm. This is why we are called the children of God. Believe me, when you've got a two-year-old running around, no is an often used word. Mm. And for God, we're kind of like a bunch of two-year-olds. Dude, I have like a four-month-old dog and I'm constantly... Dog, the dog thinks his name is no? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I'm like, no and stay. That's like the two things right there. Because at the moment we're trying to, we're building it back. Well, we're building a carport, and once that's done, uh, which will you know be in the next week, we're building a back fence so that the dog can run around the backyard. But at the moment, there's no back back fence, so we have to kind of most of the time, unless it's going out on walks or whatever, keep it in like a bit of a confined space. And it just it's a cattle dog; it's just freaking out. It's always trying to get out and jump over the bars and whatnot. I'm like, no, stay, please. Anyways, uh, let's have a look. I was reading a passage. And then yes, we you had were. That you, song I think you're up to on. verse 14, so let's yeah. continue reading so down through verse 16. Um, gotten to verse 14. Let, let me read that again. It says, He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of the prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are seeking to kill me too. Then the Lord said, Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus, where when you arrive there, anoint Hazel to Hazael Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of um, Shaphat? Uh, from the town of Abel, Abel Mahola, uh, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from, sorry, anyone who escapes from Heziel, um, will be killed like, uh, will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape from Jehu will be killed by Elijah. Yet, I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed the knee, um, to Baal or kissed him. Okay, so here's an interesting story. Uh, because Elijah's like, I'm the only one. He, was, he was a prophet to the northern nation. Mm. And the northern nation of Israel uh, had only ever been in idolatry. Yeah. They had never, ever been worshippers of God as a nation. The national religion had never been worshipped. Well, they kind of worshipped God because they were, they were like, yes, we worship, we worship Yahweh. He looks like a golden calf. Yeah. Yikes. It was really, really rough. Yeah. And so they had one golden calf that was set up. Uh, on a border town for 
Oh, for everybody who was travelling to Judah. Mm. And the reason for that was that the northern kings were always super um, insecure about about the fact that the temple of God was in Judah. Mm. And so people had to leave their nation if they wanted to worship God and go to another nation. And it was always a massive, massive question mark over their legitimacy. Mm. And so they're like, no, we'll put this down here at the border. So if you're heading down there to Judah... Uh, you don't need to be worrying about the guidance in Judah. Just worship him right here. He looks like a golden calf. Yeah. They put the other one at Dan, which was the other end of the nation, uh, so that if you were heading up to you know Tyre and Sidon and places like that, uh, then you you would have a golden calf there as well. So they had these two golden calves that they used uh, to represent Yahweh. Then you had what happened a lot of the time where the kings of Israel were just a little bit like, you know what, let's just be honest Yahweh doesn't look like a golden calf. Let's just serve Baal instead. Yeah. You know, we've already, you know, we've already ticked off Yahweh by making him look like a golden calf. So he's probably not going to want us back. So we'll just go and serve Baal. We'll, we'll, we'll choose the other alternative right here. And he seems like a fun god, so we'll go and serve Baal. And this, was, this is where Ahab was at. This is what Elijah was counteracting. And this is the nation that Elijah is prophesying to. This is a nation that has never, ever served God. Mm. And his entire time of living in that nation and being a prophet for God, he hasn't met another servant of God in that nation. Yeah. You know, and, and you look at Australia and, you know, the census just went round, and we know what the result will bring as far as Christianity goes, another drop in Christianity. That's right. And sometimes it's, a, it's quite tempting to feel like Elijah right here. And to feel like, yeah, you know what, uh, there's no one left in this country that serves God. Mm. Imagine if you were somebody who'd never met another servant of God in this country. Wow. That would be quite amazing. And God's like, yeah, you know what, there's another 7,000 out there. You don't know about them. I know about them mm. that have never, ever worshipped Baal, mm. that have never worshipped false gods, haven't even dabbled in it. You know, these are not converts. These are people who never went there in the first place. Yeah, that's right. So that would have been encouraging to Elijah. And also, Elijah has more work to do. He's like, hey, okay, I want you to go and anoint Hazael. I want you to anoint Jehu. I want you to anoint Elisha. He goes back. He does all these things. He has an experience on a mountaintop with uh, platoons of 50 men who come and try and arrest him. He has another experience with Naboth's vineyard. There is a lot more that Elijah has to do. Elijah has to do. But ultimately, there is the chariot of gold that takes him to heaven. Mm. And I believe that God saves Elisha as an ex- Elijah in that chariot, takes him to heaven as an example for us. If he had taken somebody like, say, for instance, Daniel, where there's no record that he ever sinned, the lesson would not be as important. Mm. He takes somebody who has sinned, who has done great things for God, who has then fouled up terribly, has fallen into massive depression, and God's like, okay, I'm going to choose this person to translate them to heaven as an example of what I can do for every person on earth. Wow. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Question of the day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day is that uh, Anthony wants to know... Does 
Acts 10 say that you can eat unclean meat. Also, Genesis 9, verse 3, Romans 14, verse 2 and 3, and John 21, 9. Okay, so we're probably not going to have time to get through all of those verses today, so we will take them sort of maybe one at a time, work our way through them, see how many we can get through today. Mm. And those that we don't cover today, we will cover next week. We'll just simply add them to our list, put them on the backlog, work through them as we get the opportunity. So let's begin in Acts chapter 10. And what you're going to find is that this passage actually says the exact opposite of giving permission to be able to eat unclean meats. So when you go to Acts 10, you've got a story here where you've got a man by the name of Cornelius. He's an Italian man. Uh, He's a centurion. He is a Roman. He is in charge of 100 men. He is a devout man. He's in his house. He's praying to God for light, for wisdom, for understanding. He wants to know the truth. There is this new religion that is circulating around called the religion of Christianity. He's heard lots of good things about Jesus, and he wants to know. So God does something for Cornelius that he hasn't probably done for any of us in that he commissions an angel to fly all the way from heaven to earth and to appear to him in his home. And Cornelius says, go and get Peter and he will tell you what you ought to do. Now, the problem, of course, is that Cornelius is a Gentile. And so this is going to be a major problem for Peter. He's not allowed to go into the home of a Gentile. Uh, that's against the laws of the Jewish nation at that particular time and the religious norms that were being practiced, etc., the religious traditions of the time. So anyway, the men come, and uh, while they are on their way to see Peter, Peter is relaxing on top of the roof waiting for lunch to be ready when he has a vision. And we can read about it in Acts chapter 10 and verse 11. The Bible says, He saw heaven opened and a vessel descending under him, as it had, as like a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. Inside of it were all kinds of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild things and creeping things and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake, spoke to him and said, What God has cleansed, do not call common or unclean. And then this happens three times and the sheep then disappears and Peter wakes up. And he has an interesting reaction. In verse 17 it says, Now while Peter doubted or struggled to understand in himself what the vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men that were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Okay, so let's put this together so far. If Jesus had changed the law on clean and unclean food and Jesus had come along and said, look, um, I know that you know as Jewish people we're far more healthy than everybody else, but now we're starting a new religion that's going to be called Christianity and Christians don't need to be healthy. They can live shorter, more miserable lives. Uh, then Peter would not have doubted in himself what this was all about. It would have been very, very clear to him exactly what the dream was all about. He wouldn't have questioned. He'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's what Jesus said all along. But this is years after Jesus has gone. And, of course, he spent Peter spent three and a half years with Jesus. Every day of his life he was there. And not once during that period has God given any hint that the laws of health were to be done away with, that Christians were to be less healthy than Jewish people. Not the slightest hint. Anyway, there are those people who interpret this and they say, well, my interpretation of the passage is that God says you can eat anything because we want to eat you know, this kind of thing or that kind of thing or the other kind of thing, whatever it might be, and you can have that interpretation. 
My question is this, do you want to have a person's interpretation of the passage or do you want to have the Bible's interpretation? Which one do you want, Lawson? The Bible's. The Bi- you want the Bible's one? Yes. That's good. So let me read you what the Bible says that the interpretation of this passage is. In verse 28, it says, He said unto them, You know how that it is unlawful for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any human common or unclean. Mm. Notice the word human there. That is not the word pig. That is not the word crow or camel. That is not the word prawn. That is the word human. The Bible says that this vision is all about humans and humans not being unclean has nothing to do with food or what you eat. If it was about food or what you ate, then God would have made that very, very clear beforehand as Jesus had done when it came to human beings when you've got the example of the Syrophoenician woman, you've got the example of the um, of, of the uh, Samaritan woman, you've got the example of the centurion servant, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Jesus had made it very clear not to call humans unclean, and this is being reiterated here in the vision. Mm. Never said a word about food being unclean at any particular point. Uh, so we've got lots more to talk about on this subject. We will work our way through these passages one at a time, and we will look for consistency in Scripture. God wants everybody to be healthy and happy. This is Matt and Joe. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.